So, Rachel. Yeah? The Enterprise tries to negotiate an end to raids launched by a group called the Gatherers. But a murder threatens to prevent the peace. Mm. What do you think you're going to get? Well, I'm going on gatherers, hunter-gatherers, so they'll be cave people. Will the Universal Translator work on basic speech? Maybe Troy will be helpful in reading where they're coming from? Mm. Some other gold spangly species will be involved with some space art? Mm. Something about colonialism again and the Prime Directive. Mm. Well, let's see how <laughs> right you are. <laughs> Watches Star Trek. Someone sure stripped this place. The reactor's gone. No wonder they didn't answer our hail for two days. Nothing here to answer with. Commander, I'm detecting life signs from behind that door. Warp. Commander, take a look at this. Blood. Yes, but not human. I'm gonna have to do some analysis on it. Stamped. <coughs> uh, greet me, Ray Lack. You, Chris Lack. What? This Ray Lack look at Star Trek. What go on? <laughs> me. Talk, caveman talk. Why? Because <laughs> that was my guess. Oh, I Turned see. Turned out to be wrong, guys. Uh, yeah, there's no caveman talk. Not in this episode, which is called The Vengeance Factor. Written by Sam Rolfe, directed by Timothy Bond. Wait, what are people listening to? You're listening to Ray Lack Watch Star Trek. <laughs> Ray <laughs> Remember? Lack. Our friends introduce us to this caveman game. It's like taboo or a game where you have to get someone to say the clue. Uh-huh. But you can only use one syllable. Words. Words. So. Yeah. Okay. That's where I was <laughs> So what the hell I was doing. And you're We're not going to do it anymore. Rachel Lackey. Yeah. And I'm Chris Lackey. And you're listening to Rachel Watches Star Trek. Yeah, we are deep into the third season right now. It's fun. We're swimming around. Not a particularly memorable episode. Bit of a sleepy one. So I've watched it twice. Yeah. But we're going to get into it right now. Okay. Riker, Dr. Crusher, Worf, and Data beam into a green torn apart room in a Federation outpost. The scenic background painting was originally from the classic 1956 movie Forbidden Planet. Oh, now how do you feel, Chris? You were smack-talking that pla- that painting. I was smack-talking it because the opening shot comes in on it. It is obviously a painting. Yeah, and it looks the- like a totally different show. Yeah. The reactor is missing and Crusher sees blood, but not human. Data detects life signs behind a door. Worf tries to open it up, but then Data, you know, has to show him up. Effortlessly. And opens the door. Behind it are two Federation scientists, unconscious but alive. Mm. In sick bay, Bev tells Picard that the scientists have been phaser-stunned. Also, the blood she found is unique to one humanoid species, the Achimerians. Probably the gatherers, thinks Picard, who are nomadic raiders. Ah, oh, not cavemen at all. No. Why did, why did I think they could be cavemen? I have no idea. Because <laughs> hunter-gatherers. <laughs> no, no, I, yeah, I get it, but, but that's, yeah. that's Star Trek. Yeah, they got to be able to fly, haven't they? They set course for the Akamar system and enlist the aid of Maruk, the sovereign of Akamar 3, to try to put a stop to the raids. 
Maruk arrives on the ship. She's a middle-aged woman dressed in golden or sort of a mustardy, daffodil mm -hmm. yellow robes. Really nice costume. She's got a little sort of uh, kind of a slight wrinkly forehead. Ridge thing going yeah. on and then sort of tattoos or patterns on the temples. I'm not sure if they're supposed to be natural or if they're supposed to be mm. tattoos, but... And a white streak down the middle of her hair. The actress is Nancy Ann Parsons, who is best known for her role as Coach Bullbricker in the Porky's movies. Bullbricker. Uh, which, of course, um, I would recommend never watching okay, those movies. Then. They do not hold up. Oh, no. I they're pretty offensive. They are really offensive. Eek. To and pretty much everyone? Or? Pretty much everyone. Oh, yeah. Equal opportunities. Yeah, they, they don't hold up. Of course, I watched them as a teenager and thought they were hilarious. <laughs> Goes to show I've grown. Yeah, that's I've grown a lot. Reassuring. <laughs> uh, she was also in Steel Magnolias and played a nurse in different things five different times. Oh. She died at the age of 58. Oh, no. As did Stephen Lee, who we'll see later playing Chorgan. Um, both had heart failures. Aw, such young ages. Yeah, I know. Them. I really enjoy her performance. Yeah, she's good. Yeah. Maruk says they've only managed to capture a handful of gatherers and hopes the Starfleet can help them find more. Picard refuses to hunt them down. He can see where she's going with this, mm -hmm. but he wants to reconcile the two societies instead. What? With those animals and parasites, says Maruk, and we get this. They're still your people. No. Captain, you have to understand our history. A hundred years ago, before the gatherers split off from our culture, we were a savage, violent race. Clans battled clans, bloody, vengeful feuds that lasted for generations. But we overcame those ways, all except for the gatherers. After a century of wandering, they may be ready to come home. Despite your progress, you are a divided society, and so it will remain until the gatherers return to Akma. The attempt may be futile. But there is so much to gain, and there is so little to lose by the effort. This problem affects us all. It cannot be ignored. A bit like the Vulcans, maybe, that they used to be a savage race, and then they've civilized themselves. Or, as Picard says later, humans. <laughs> yeah, there was some turmoil in the past. Maybe it was very war-torn, and then the gatherers just said, I'm out of here. Everyone else decided on rules for peace, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if they said I'm out of here or if they were kind of enslaved, it seems to it's transpire. It's ambiguous to mm -hmm. what we'll happened exactly in the past. Yeah, more later. Maruk agrees to travel with them to the gatherer colony in the Rami cluster as soon as two of her ser servants are brought up with her. Mm. Later, with Riker, Maruk orders a light meal from her beautiful servant, Utah. Very distracting. I thought she was called Utah the state oh. throughout this but it is spelt with a y utah yeah she's the chef and she's also the taster for quality and poison mm. i guess yeah Riker is pretty smug showing her the replicator he's super proud of this thing he sure is and he orders a water at five degrees for her so they use celsius presumably yeah well they use meters they use metric yeah more proof that it's the system that makes sense yeah <laughs> He's also very pleased with himself for calling Utah's recipe for Parthas, Parthas a la Utah. And he throws in a little bit of a Italian or Spanish accent, even though <laughs> he's doing a French thing. So well done. That's a triple 
triple win there. Yeah. There so you, romantic. There you go. Well, yeah. her name is Utah, and the state is Utah. Yeah, they keep saying Utah, though. Utah. Utah. They pronounce it Utah. <laughs> they do. <laughs> I, okay, fine. I, I believe you. Some of them do. Now, Utah is played by Lisa E. Wilcock, best known for playing Alice Johnson in A Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and 5. And she starred as Miss Pres- Missy Preston on the short-lived live-action version of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. Oh. Uh, she's good-looking. Yeah, she's got this slightly sort of sad yeah. posture and facial expression in this. Yeah. But beautiful. Riker, Worf, Data and LaForge beam down to Gamma Rummy 2. It's a Class M planet! Ooh, I can't believe it, we've found an Earth-like planet. I'm aching for answers, I'm peeing my pants. Let's go and learn everything about it! Woohoo! Oh boy. They find a bunch of stolen stuff, including a reactor that probably came from the ransacked outpost. So they looks like they got their guys. Yeah. The gatherers attack them suddenly, firing Regalian phaser rifles. The rifles are pretty rubbish, and they're able to take cover and phaser back at them. Then they manage to create a smoke screen from some quick thinking by data and beam up. But it's a trick they haven't beamed up. Worf grabs the gatherer leader. Yes, it's negotiation time. First, the gatherers have to show us what savage a-holes they are. Mm-hmm. Brol makes his second taste the drink that he's offered by pouring it down his throat. <laughs> and forcibly. all over his face. <laughs> And then they kind of like some kind of creepy thick milk. Yeah, and they all have a good laugh about it. School mom Maruk is not impressed by the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And they're dressed as though they're going to a meatloaf concert in the Mad Max era. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, they look like refugees from a meatloaf video <laughs> or biker mullety with like little bits of armor glued to the stuff. Lots yeah. of mullet action going on. Like if you were doing Gaslands, but with figures. Yeah. This is what you'd create. I, but I wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> I'd give them all mohawks. That's what but, I would oh, do. But not mullets. Not mullets, no. Yeah. And they've also got these sort of clusters of boils on their faces, which are then adorned with tattoos. And I don't know whether it's facial scarring and then tattoos or if they're naturally formed yeah. and then they adorn them. But they're pretty distracting. They are. <laughs> yeah. It's true. And gross. Picard gets things back on track, and Brul sends everyone but him and Maruk away so that they can discuss a deal. Yeah, and again, we've got good performances going on, I think. He's pretty broad, mm-hmm. this Brul, but I like it. Yeah. And Picard is genuinely useful as a mediator. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Utah uses this as a chance to kill an old gatherer guy just by touching his face. She asks first if she looks familiar to him. He says, yes, but it's impossible. That was 50 years ago. I'm the last of my line, she says, but my clan will outlive yours. So we've got a little mystery on our hands, Chris. Yeah. Do we? Do we? Well, we know she did it, but we don't know why. (laughs) Yeah. Other than it's a clan. Yeah. Yeah. Thing that's still going on. Right. They think they're so peaceful now, but actually... Yeah, I, that's my big beef with this episode, is that it feels like it was supposed to be a mystery, but then there's no mystery. Like the Shakespeare troupe one, where you didn't know that it was her who was doing all the killings. Right. You wanted that again. Yeah. Yeah? Well, not well, not that specifically, but I feel like this would have been way more interesting if the audience didn't know all the answers already. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because <laughs> we did. <laughs> yeah. You go, well, we don't know why she killed him. Yeah, yeah we do. It's a clan dispute. Yeah, we don't know some minor but details that aren't really important to the character in the story. The reasoning behind why the dispute's still going on. But 
You would have liked it better if we didn't know who killed him. If there was an actual mystery involved. I don't think I was invested enough to care. Yeah, there But you then go. that's proof again that <laughs> <laughs> they should have done it differently. Yeah. Brule decides to take the matter to Chorgan, the leader of the gatherers. He decides to take no guards with him, though, as that could be a trap by the Federation. Mm-hmm. So he's got a different sense of honour um, and safety than we would normally see in species, I think. Yeah. I think through mistrust, they would usually take back up, but through his mistrust, he will only put his own life on the line. Yeah. So they're a-holes, but they've got their own yeah. understandable way of doing things. Sure. Before they leave, they find this old guy dead, and the gatherer who found him starts gathering his boots and his possessions. But this upsets Maruk, who thinks that, you know, they're being disrespectful of the corpse, but obviously mm. she doesn't understand their ways. You know, when somebody dies, somebody's got to get their stuff. So Their clan gets it. If no one's there from their clan, whoever found him gets it. Yep. Yeah. And they say, you know, why respect a corpse? Yeah. Someone can use this stuff. In 10 Forward, Maruk tells Picard that when one clan did wrong to another, they sought vengeance, retribution for the actions, which, of course, would be escalated. So, you know, you killed my mom, I kill your mom wife and, dad. and daughter. Mm. And it's just, you know, it got out of hand and it was going on for generations. And Picard compares it to Earth's past, mm. which, you know, on a, on a very nationalistic standpoint, you know, there's been lots of beefs for many generations with different countries. Yeah, yeah. Rule enters, goes to the bar, and just grabs a drink out of someone's hand that they've just been served. Such a dick. Mm. Then grabs Wesley's iPad off him and sits down with him with his foot up on the table. Wes is making no mystery of the fact that he is not a fan of this guy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, quite brave, really, for a teenager in the face of somebody who's throwing their weight around. Well, I mean... But Wes is safe there. He's pretty safe there. This guy ain't going to do nothing, and he knows it. But apart from all the sneaky murders that happen on the Enterprise. Well. <laughs> He's got the safety of being a kid, I guess. Wes is mad at him for being a thief. And Brule confesses angrily that he doesn't like stealing, but he has to, to survive. But he would like to find a better way for his children to live. And, and that's why he's willing to do these negotiations. Yeah. yeah. They're not flat characters. No. I like that. Utah serves Parthas to Riker and Troy. Troy then realises she's a third wheel and leaves. Mm-hmm. Utah says she's always been a servant to Maruk. And she thinks that because Riker is so into being equals, he wouldn't make a good sovereign. He agrees. Riker's going at it pretty strong with the flirting. Oh, yeah. He's making a good attempt because he's not had any action for a while, as far as we know. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, I mean, seasons, really. Yeah. Uh, Later, Crusher reveals to Riker that the old guy was killed by a microvirus specifically designed to target a strand of DNA. Particular strain, gosh. Yes, specifically Akamarians, but she doesn't know what is the key factor. It's something to do with Akamarian, but like... Uh, it's not all Akamarians. It's just one in a million of them. Yes. Mm. So, but which one? It, so she needs to do some more research. But she deduces that this was murder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was definitely a genetically engineered virus and a very specific type. Utah enters Riker's quarters for some free time, mm. if you know what I mean, at Maruk's suggestion. Oh, hello. Hey, okay. And she kisses Riker and he's pretty into it and then we get this wait a minute i don't understand don't you want me to give you pleasure not as a servant i told you i prefer equals even in the matters of love especially in matters of love i've offended you no i only want to make you as happy as you want to make me you're entitled to that 
No, I'm not. Oh, Utah. I do not feel pleasure or passion. I haven't been able to for a long time. I don't know who did this to you. Or why. But it can change. I wish it could. Tonight, most of all. I'm sorry. He will do anything for love, but he won't do that. No, he won't do that. Was she sent there as a sex worker by Marie? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little confused because she says earlier that she's not a slave. So she, but she has duties and she's been sent there to spend time with him. At first we think for her own enjoyment, but then yeah. from what this conversation says, it suggests yeah. I will do anything yeah. for your pleasure. That's she, what he's sniffing. Yeah, well, he doesn't like whatever's going on. He wants her to be into it, and she doesn't seem to be particularly into it, but kind of into it. It's mm. confusing. Meanwhile, Chorgan's ship starts attacking the Enterprise as they approach and won't answer their hail. They finally resort to firing phases back, and Chorgan gets in touch. Hmm. Aboard the gatherer vessel, Marouk, Brule, and Picard sit with Chorgan at a fire pit. Mm-hmm. Marouk proposes that every gatherer receive amnesty. Chorgan calls that the re-enslaving of the gatherers. So we're getting a better idea of their history here and why they have refused so far to be reunited. Marouk says, yes, I was into that idea, but then I met Picard. Yeah. So we're not going for the enslaving route anymore. Sure. Or imprisoning for their crimes because they have been raiding mm-hmm. places. Chorgan asks if the state will feed and clothe the gatherers if they return to Akamar. She says, no, you'll have land and you can do what you, what you want, but you're going to be responsible for your own life. You won't be fugitives. And then he says, well, we want autonomy. And she goes, you'll have rights. You know, we could make a contract before you decide so you can look over it and make sure that everything is as you want it. Picard's in the role of mediator this whole time, which he does a very good job of keeping things cool between the two people because there's yeah. obviously a lot of bad blood. What do you think's in it for Marouk? Just not to be raided from? Yeah. Where it's just like the shame of some of their people being exiled and separate. All that. Wanting your family back together. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I think it's all that. You've, you've got a bunch of your people out there in the galaxy that are making your planet look bad. Mm-hmm. True. And then also past crimes against them. It seems like they were there's a reason why they're out there and not on the planet. Mm. Yeah. And then to obviously stop them from stealing stuff. It seems Part pretty... Of it's atonement then from the people who are Marooks, who are already with Marook. Maybe. Partially, yeah. Or just trying to be better about it as opposed mm-hmm. to hunting them down and killing them all. I mean, there's societal pressures. Like societies have changed where things like going in and killing everybody was fine. I mean, mm-hmm. even in World War II... Uh, the United States bombed civilian targets all mm. the time and people go, well, it was war. Mm. And that seemed to be okay then. That was a justifiable thing to do. Yeah. I don't think that's a just, justifiable thing in our society or in our civilization now. Mm. Meanwhile, Dr. Crusher reveals 53 years ago, someone died of this same microvirus. Data realizes that victim was of the same clan as the one Utah has killed. Um, as is Shogun, this leader of the gatherers. Mm-hmm. So he's in danger now, presumably. He's in danger, girl. Data locates a record of a massacre 80 years ago where the Lornax be- were believed to have annihilated their rival clan, the Trelesters. That's Utah's clan. Mm-hmm. And only five people survived. Data finds a 53-year-old picture 
which looks like it could be Utah hiding behind something, and then they're sort of unfeasibly able to reconstruct her whole face. Yeah. <laughs> like, not symmetrically in this picture. Anyway, it's uh, Utah, and she's the same age as she is now. Yeah. The mystery increases. Yeah. No, we weren't that bothered, were we? No, and then it also, it doesn't matter. Like, all of these mm. things, like, why is it, why... There's this whole thing where we find out that her age gets extended so that she can wreak vengeance on this clan. It doesn't really add anything but why? to it. Yeah, it doesn't really add anything at all to mm. it. You know, they could have had it where it was generational. Like she had some virus in her body that when she had kids, that virus would be able, their kids would do it. So she could be the descendant of the people of the things. I'm, mm. It's really convoluted for no apparent reason. Are I you think. saying you don't like sci-fi concepts, Chris? Oh, I do. <laughs> I do, but the concept was established in the first two minutes of the show. It's mm-hmm. a virus that kills people based on their genetics. The end. Not the first two minutes. <laughs> it was <laughs> ten. I don't know. In okay. the beginning of the bo- the, uh, the beginning of the episode, yeah. it was pre-established. There's just a lot of convolution that doesn't add any cool concepts mm-hmm. to this. Back on the gatherer ship, Chorgan is demanding three seats on the ruling council. <laughs> not one, ah. not two, but three. Greedy. Rook's going, what? No clan has got three seats on the council. That's out of the question. That's ridiculous. Now you're trying to gather power instead of stuff. Yeah. But he's saying, look, we want representation. If we're going to come there. And she's like, hey, you're going to get it just like everybody else. Mm. Now, Riker beams in and orders Yuta away from Corrigan. She just kind of admits, basically, she wants justice for the Trelestin massacre. She was one of the only five survivors, so there wasn't Ooh. no survivors. There was five that were left. But she died and was reborn huh? with altered cell structure, I know. What the heck? They really lost over that, didn't they? I know. And they slowed her aging to complete her vendetta against the low marks. Right. So, Gosh. So, that is unnecessarily <laughs> convoluted. <laughs> I don't understand. Why did she need to be a young... Well, she needed to be a young woman so she could be a love interest for Riker. Yes. So they couldn't just have an old woman play the part, I guess. Or why couldn't this, like I said earlier, be why the could child? Be her, yeah, be the child, and she's been born into this. Like she doesn't even but know there these are people. no children. There was only five survivors. Well, one of those five survivors could have had a child. Mm, you'd is need what two, I'm though, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> two out of five who actually wanted to bone. That's but, not good odds, is it? Well, yeah, but they didn't have, actually have to have mated with another Trelestin. They could have, you know, like, I'm a lackey, you're a Ford, mm. our children are called lackeys. Right. So what if I had this genetic, you know, murder weapon and it got passed down to my children? That seems like a much more concise explanation. And it would be, even be a little bit more interesting because she would have been born into this vendetta that she doesn't know anything about. Because right. it all happened long before she was born. I, I just think that that would be a simpler plot. It may be a little bit more interesting because she ha- has some hesitation, it seems, like about she would she wishes she had a normal life because Riker is saying, hey, why don't you just go out and do stuff? And she goes, yeah. I, I can't. There's only one path for me. I can't feel. But, you know, we know how hard it is to get a child brainwashed into doing something you want them to do. <laughs> <laughs> why take the chance? Say please and... Pick up after yourself. You know, <laughs> don't really want to brainwash them into that. Or dance. Or dance. <laughs> we should be Mina. We should be. Then it'd work. Yeah. Once Jorgen is dead, her mission will be complete and it doesn't matter what happens to her. She doesn't mind dying in the attempt. No. 
but Riker keeps warning her. He stuns her. She yeah. keeps going. Why? Why is she not stunnable? Because she's Ubermensch. Right. She's been genetically enhanced, as we've heard earlier. Mm. And that's why she doesn't age, and she's, you know, like the Terminator, I guess. So he stuns her again. She's still not going to stop. So Riker is not sure what she needs to do to kill this guy. So he sets his phaser to kill. Yeesh. As in vaporize kill. That's his top setting. He's yeah. tried all the others. She walks right at Chorgan and then zap. Vaporizes just like that. Yikes. Couldn't he have tried to wrestle her to the ground or anything other than just vaporizing her? Well, he doesn't know what is what she can do. Maybe she could like spit on him and it would kill him. Mm. Like, And so she's got a little bit of a distance thing. He doesn't know how it works. And, yeah. she's, and she's not giving up. So Yikes. And Picard stands there doing nothing. Well, director Timothy Bond said, I'm afraid there is a reason for his lack of reaction. Opticals. He couldn't move for that one period where she gets vaporized. In retrospect, maybe it was kind of a mistake of mine. I just had this idea that it would be really neat that when she's vaporized, Picard was there in the shot. Ah. That was from Captain's Logs, the unauthorized complete Trek Voyages. You do a really good Timothy Bond impersonation. Isn't it yeah. Really I thought good. he was in the room with me. I watched me. a lot of documentaries. That's great. Oh, Tim. At least he's got the uh, humility to admit he yeah. got it wrong. Yeah. Were you upset with Picard for not stopping it or doing anything or Oh, no. Anything? I didn't even think I about it. I didn't even notice. Yeah. <laughs> didn't even cross my mind. Riker obviously knew what was going on. Trust you. Well, he's killing a woman to save a man. So, yeah. I don't know. Is that fair? Uh, sure. I guess. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> I, I was reading an article. Uh, I saw a headline about there the. Yeah, I wasn't reading an article. I saw a headline <laughs> about the algorithm that teaches people morals. Oh. So, so when people write into Google, is it okay to, you know, poison my neighbor's cat or you know whatever the thing <laughs> is that they? you want to do? I don't know. But people, yeah, when they're not sure if something is sort of morally or ethically ambiguous, is mm. it? Should I date my? Co-worker, mm -hmm. something maybe not killing a cat is probably not. <laughs> yeah, but like, should I date my coworker? Right. Google answers that, so it's making mm. these ethical and moral determinations. Right. What's this algorithm that's doing that? Mm. I don't know. I didn't read the article, <laughs> but it makes you think, but not too much because that's all the information we've got. <laughs> Picard looks grave, and Maruk is upset. Mm, well, this is her beloved servant. Yeah. She's been really nice to her. She didn't know she was murdering folks. <laughs> yeah. Chorgan tells Riker that he is indebted to him. Mm -hmm. He saved his life. Q sequel? No. Watch out though, Riker, because like a bat out of hell, it be gone when the morning comes. <laughs> <laughs> I tried really hard to fit some meatloaf into this. <laughs> Back in 10 forward, Riker is at the bar, quietly moving his glass, thinking about recent events. Mm. New orders from Starfleet. The rendezvous. Nothing, thank you. Rendezvous with the Goddard has been postponed. In the meantime, Starbase 343. We're going to take on medical supplies for the Alpha Leonis system. Sounds pretty routine. Well, with the gatherer truce in effect, certainly should be. We won't require a full ship's complement. I'm going to extend shore leave on the Starbase to anyone who wants it. I'll pass that along to the crew, Captain. Oh. oh, no surely for Riker? Yeah, he wants to keep busy, you know? Keep his mind off things. He's not having much luck with the ladies, is he? No. no as far as we've seen. Well, yeah, that's true. 
So we got some things to talk about here. Yeah, we've got some concepts. For Maruk and gang, I guess the gatherers represented their shameful past. And it was something they wanted to bring back into the fold mm -hmm. so they could all have a good reputation and feel good about themselves. Yeah. Picard was the only one, it seemed, who could broker the peace. It's been tried before and it's impossible. So we roll out our master negotiator. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And he was there. And yeah. he was keeping things on track, but he was something of a bland figure in comparison to all the other shenanigans that were going on in the high-kicking Mad yeah. Max meatloafing that was going down. <laughs> well, I guess that's what's important for a negotiator is to not be in the center stage, just to mm. kind of keep keep stuff chill. Yeah. Yeah. We had slavery, possibly of the gatherers in the past, or as you suggested, more like imprisonment for crimes mm -hmm. that they committed but then what caused them to have to commit crimes and mm -hmm. by whose morality were they crimes yeah they've been fugitives for a while for a long time and now they were being offered land and representation and freely entering into a contract so mm -hmm. a big change in what was being offered yeah to them and they were considering it because they were ready to live a more decent or an easier life or well something. yeah it's probably a rough life yeah I, when you're stealing from people that's violent and people are dying and and probably people don't necessarily like killing people you took the words right out of my <laughs> mouth yeah another one we had vengeance for essentially genocide although maruk thought that everything had been sorted with all of the other clans naively they had got to get there yeah. Revenge. Yeah, oh yeah. And she was brought back to life and genetic genetically modified to survive, not age. Yeah. And to kill. And to not feel pleasure or passion. Mm hmm So kind of intense concepts, but well, I think yeah. I was very interested and yeah. it kind of annoyed you, didn't it? It did. It didn't feel right mm. for that. And I don't know if she was was she genetically engineered not to feel things, or was it because she emotionally was unavailable because she had to be a murderer yeah an assassin and she's like emotionally shutting herself down she's not available to be in romantic relationships because you can't be you know really honest with the people that you're being involved with because that would involve like hey i'm i'm murdering people <laughs> yeah and this revenge has taken place over 53 years yeah and she's only killed three people <laughs> that's a lot of waiting yeah and well, being a servant well three people that were aware of right hmm. could be others could be others there was a microvirus harmless to the carrier and to most people mm -hmm. deadly to the clan it's tailored for actually just deadly to the person or few people that it's tailored for yeah the clan but that's i mean that's a pretty cool concept mm. I, I think it, tailored to the dna yeah to an idea that there would be a virus that would take out somebody of a specific family mm. you know which obviously this only could be, through touch well, i yeah. mean that could be a huge thing if somebody was genocidal, if they wanted mm. to get rid of a whole type of person. It's yeah. pretty pretty dark stuff. I'm sure other science fiction has explored it. I can't think of any off the top of my head, though. Without Bev's technology, it would be untraceable, possibly. Yeah, they wouldn't know. That it was murder, mm -hmm. or who did it. We had servants versus equals. And Riker was adamant that he wanted no part of her giving him pleasure in a servant capacity. Yeah. And he would never like a servant in any capacity, although he didn't mind her making him some pathos. Well, it was that's not a servant a yeah, yeah yeah i mean he obviously to has subordinates people do things for yeah. him all the time mm -hmm. but that's not the same i mean they have respect but everybody's got a job and a position that they have to do and it's not about him being better than them it's just yeah. that we got our jobs 
He was just being an interested and sexy host. Yeah, he was doing yeah. good. Programming recipes into the replicator to impress Riker. I like the idea that you can program your own recipes in rather than only order what's in there. Yeah. No consequences as usual for looting the outpost and seriously injuring two scientists. Yeah. They were just on the mission for reconciliation and peace. Yeah. Yawn, as usual. <laughs> uh, it was possible to understand some of each clan's position, which is some credit to the, the writing. writing, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a seven for concepts. Seven. Uh, yeah, I think there was some neat stuff here. It got too convoluted, but as Star Trek goes, I feel like it's just slightly above middle of the road for mm. concepts. So I'm going to give it a six. Okay. Entertainment. It was a road trip episode with kind of a mystery. Although you were annoyed that the mystery was <laughs> revealed in the first two seconds that she yeah. murdered that guy. We had a painted backdrop and green light to start off the episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> a little link back there to Forbidden Planet, although, again, you were not pleased with no. the effect. It was an odd beginning. It looked as though it was going to be an animated show. But yeah. I liked that it was different and striking. I don't mind it. It was a close-up of the painting, which mm. was obviously a painting. Yeah. It was. When it's in the background, you're not focused on it, so it works for the illusion. So it was really confusing, mm. and it took me out of it. But you know, it's generally a good episode. It's really well paced. Well, you were sleepy. I, I was wasn't so bored. sleepy, but I wanted to give it credit, so I watched it again. Yeah, I thought and it, was, it a, was okay. But I thought it was a middle of the road. I give it a five. Oh, okay. Timothy Bond called the torn apart set the best he's ever had. Huh. The best a man can get. How does that go? I have no idea what you're Gillette. saying. The best a man can get. I can't seem to you're do the right singing tune. The Gillette Come on, Rafe. Theme song. <laughs> and I don't know whether that means the outpost set or the one that they went to later, which was the gatherers. Yeah. Locale. I think that one. That one seemed pretty elaborate. Yeah. We had the meatloaf costumes, which were pretty elaborate, actually, and yeah. they were not attractive, and I wasn't a big fan of the hairy chests with the outfits split down to the navel, sure, but yeah. that's somebody's fantasy, isn't it? Mm. Along with the mullets. So I like that they went for it with the costumes. Mm, yeah. The boils on the face, don't know if that was scarring, cosmetically yeah. done to augment the face, or if it was just something that was part of their biology. Creeped me out a bit. Good performances. I liked the Sovereign in particular. Glad to have a female character like that. Mm -hmm. Could easily have made that male, couldn't they? Oh, yeah. Some decent use of Bev, too. Not a fan of the makeup, but it was supposed to show that they were different tribes. Yeah. Yeah. Some cool sets, and they kept the action going where they could, where it could have just been a talking, sitting down episode. Sure. Throughout. Negotiating around a fire pit beats the meeting room, anyway. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I'm being over generous. I'm going to give it a six. Sexiness. Well, Riker was on better form than usual. Mm -hmm. Straight in for a kiss, but he didn't want her to do it for his pleasure. Wanted it as equals, so that's sexy. Yeah. Bev looked hot without her jacket. She's got a kick-ass bod, obviously, as a dancer. Oh, yeah. She looks great in that jumpsuit. Sorry Mm -hmm. if it's uncomfortable, Gatesy. (laughs) (laughs) Utah was pretty. Uh Although sad. Yeah. Great episode, though, if you're into mullety biker guys. Yeah. With a full-on chest hair. Yeah, if you're into that, this is a five for sexiness. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but I'll give it a three. I liked Riker's uh, positive, you know, equality, mm-hmm. his feminist, you know, sort of take on things. You know, yeah. it seemed very good. It seemed yeah. the way it should be. That's nice. Yeah, I was I like trying it. to show a bit of that last time with the creepy guy talking about Troy and taking 
her away and stuff. Mm-hmm. Wasn't he? You know, yeah. She's her own woman. And it makes me like Riker even more. Yeah, we're finally getting there. <laughs> getting somewhere with Riker. Yeah, I'll give it a three. I give it a three. Okay. Stupid experts. One of the only things Troy says in this episode is, Rule is ready to negotiate. He just wants privacy so that he won't appear weak in front of the other gatherers. So she can tell he wants privacy, he doesn't want to appear weak, uh-huh. and he's ready to negotiate. But she can't tell Yuta is planning another murder. <laughs> and that's from the same <laughs> small circle of people. <laughs> Getting no vibes on that whatsoever. Yeah. Maybe that's part of the genetic engineering. Sure, yeah. So mm. for that, I give it a one. Okay, yeah. One one seems fair with, with that one. But yeah, I, I thought it was pretty well written and thought out. So your guesses weren't great. They not cave. Man's men is the word for the plural of <laughs> Still one syllable. Uh, yeah. Troy was a bit helpful. I thought there'd be some gold spangly species. Well, she was wearing yellow and gold. Maruk. Yes, uh-huh. And I thought something about colonialism and the prime directive. Not really. They did talk about representation at least. Yeah, this is definitely but- a post-warp civilization, so... The prime directive's out the window there. Yeah. Hey, we got some patrons I'd love to yeah. thank. Welcome, Lieutenant Commander, cryptocartographer. Ooh, welcome. welcome. Welcome, Lieutenant Ted and Lieutenant Christian. And Ed Sizemore's had a promotion to Lieutenant as well. Oh, congratulations. Welcome also, Ensign James Morrow and Ensign Zach Kiefer. All righty. Thanks, everyone. And to all of you. Yeah, I'm having fun in this third season. It's definitely getting better. I was scrolling ahead. There's some episodes I'm looking forward to popping up here soon. So good. It'll be fun. Yeah, I better pick up. Uh, I had a high, and then it's gone back to being a little moribund. Yeah, but we'll get we get back up there. There's a few, eh. Yeah. But we're gonna get to some good ones soon. Lots of love to everybody. And with that, I'm Rachel Lackey. I'm Chris Lackey. And you've been listening to Rachel watches Star Trek. 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 Rachel watches Star Trek.